Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. to everybody who's watching from other locations this morning thank you I don't know does that count as a whopper I'm not sure do you guys get like feedback later I don't know I've spent most of the last two years talking to the small green dot on my laptop so you've already surpassed the response from my laptop thank you very much for welcoming me here this morning it's so good to be with you I want to talk about fear and anxiety. And these are topics, oh my goodness, we've heard so much about, haven't we, in the last two years? Because we've been through this kind of slightly unusual time, and it has raised our stress levels, it's raised our emotion levels. We've heard a lot in the press, the media, and we've all had to wrestle, probably in a way for many of us that we've never had to before, with some of these difficult, awkward emotions. And the thing is, although we hear a lot about fear and anxiety, so often what we hear isn't helpful. So in the media, we tend to hear a story of illness. We hear statistics. We hear about this, the grip of fear on young people, the generations growing up, even children who are caught in fear and anxiety, and who have become unwell. We hear terrifying stories about how impossible it is to access treatment. We hear tragic stories from people who've not been able to find that treatment and who have struggled as a result. We feel more fear on our fear because we think, what's wrong with me when I experience this? What, will I ever feel normal again? Am I ill now? Is that it for me? Or my daughter or my son who comes home and they're anxious and you think, oh my goodness, I know where this goes. We heap fear on fear and it makes it worse. Or even in the church, we're so well-meaning, but we hear things like, Fear is the opposite of faith. And we think, oh, if I was a better person, if I was a better Christian, if I was a better parent or a better leader, I wouldn't be feeling this. And we beat ourselves up. We heap guilt on our fear. 
and it makes it worse. You guys have been looking at this wonderful verse, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but power and love. And verses like that we can hear quoted, but in a way that just makes us feel worse. You know, there's always someone in your worst moment. You know those days where it just feels like everybody is ganging up against you? Like the whole world is trying to mess up your day. And you're like, I am just clawing my way through this day. And you run into someone from church. And, it, and it's just not the moment you want to run into someone from church. I always remember when my son, who's at nine, had, had, had done something particularly, in, you know, it was an unfortunate day at school. And I had to go in to see the head. It was very embarrassing. And halfway through, she leaned forward, looked at me over her glasses and said, you're the one who works for the church, aren't you? I was like, yes, and I'm a psychologist, so I am totally winning at this parenting thing. But you know, there's those moments, isn't it, where you're in that space and someone will come up to you and say, ah, but God has not given us a a spirit of fear, Kate. And you think, I know what spirit he's given me right now. (laughs) But the word that's used there describes these moments when fear has become so big it's taken control. Fear is ruling us. What God is saying there is he doesn't want you to have to live with that. There's something else he wants to give people, this amazing gift that's countercultural of power, of love, of these things that can, that can get rid of that paralyzing fear. Fear and anxiety are normal human emotions. They're an important part of the way that your mind works. You know, believe me, my nine-year-old son could do with a bit more fear sometimes. The kid has no idea of, like, crossing roads or, you know, generally trying to keep himself safe. These emotions have a purpose. The question is not, can we become fearless through our faith? You know, accept Jesus into your heart and you will never feel fear again. Are you kidding me? That's not truth. The truth is, how do we fear less? How do we manage these emotions, particularly in the moments when the world goes rogue on us, like it has in the last two years? When actually, physiologically speaking, psychologically speaking, you will experience fear and anxiety. Some of you, you're watching this talk today and you were hoping the clever Dr. Kate Middleton would tell you how to eradicate all fear. Well, I'm really sorry. I'm going to do the opposite and say, do you know what? You will probably feel a bit anxious. Some people watching, particularly most likely from home, might be really struggling with that now. If you know that you're vulnerable in this moment, you've got to manage this time of everybody else whipping their masks off and going back to normal life, making really tough decisions about what you do or don't do, getting used to a new way of life. Of course you'll feel anxious. You shouldn't feel guilty about that. But we do need to ask the question... How does our faith help? How does our faith help us to fear less? And even, I want to suggest this morning, to step into spaces of challenge where fear will be part of the equation, naturally because we're human, 
but to do that drawing on something that's bigger and better than ourselves. So I really want to tell you the story that you've just heard of this day in the life of Jesus and the disciples. And it's a busy day. It's a buzzing day. The disciples have been out. They've been teaching and preaching and praying for people and healing them. They want to tell Jesus all about this stuff that's gone on. It's also, though, a day that's brought really tough news. If you look earlier in the story, you'll see that they've just heard that that a friend, a colleague of theirs, John the Baptist, has been executed. It's shocking. It's dramatic. It's loss and grief. But it's also, what does this mean for me? It's fear-triggering news. And that they're in the midst of all this business and one of the other gospel accounts tells us that Jesus looking at this just says, actually, we need to, we need to go and get some, some quiet, some headspace where we can process all of this. But of course, they're followed, they're pursued. Sometimes when you know that what you really need to do is get away and get some peace and get away from the relentless stuff, it follows you, doesn't it? Like a pandemic, you can't really escape that. And people pursue them and they they need something of Jesus and the disciples and they they do more teaching, more ministry. They give and give and give more. And then it turns out these people didn't even bring dinner. What is wrong with them? So then they do the feeding of the five. I'm sure that Jesus wasn't really like, oh. But when I read the story, that's how it feels because we've all had days like that where it feels like everybody is demanding something from us and we're exhausted And we need to remember as we listen to this that when we talk about stress, it's not just distress. That's the thing. Things that trigger fear aren't just the bad things. Some of the best things that you do in your life will trigger fear and anxiety because they matter. You know, the the job interview or the uni, my daughter's preparing for uni stuff at the moment. She is freaking out big time. It really matters to her, so it triggers some anxiety. You know, the first date. I mean, don't have children if you don't want to feel fear and anxiety, am I right? Yeah. So stress isn't just distress. Sometimes in the busiest moments, fear and anxiety are on the same physiological system as stress, so when your brain is busy, your fear can rise. And you've never struggled with it before, but suddenly you feel it pricking at the back of your mind all the time. And in the midst of this moment... Jesus compels them to get into this boat. I mean, literally, the language means it's not like a physical shove, but it's pretty clear they don't have any choice. It's like when I say to my son, would you like to pick your wet towels up off the bathroom floor? And and he says, no, thanks. I'm like, yeah, such a rookie parenting mistake to make something a question when you didn't mean it a question. And it's really interesting, the disciples clearly don't want to go. We know that that lake is renowned for winds that blow up at night. You don't normally take like a recreational cruise in the, in the dark on that lake. The Hebrew root word for water, interestingly, shares the root for the word for chaos. So it's like Jesus is literally saying, hey guys, how, you're already knackered, you've had a rough day. How about you just sail into complete chaos and do some more work? And they're like... I'm not so sure. You know, so often people are told to manage stress and anxiety by doing less. But what if, what if this matters to you? What if you're called to do this and you know it's a passion? Or, or what if it's just one of those crazy, busy life phases? Like I have relatively young kids and a teenager. 
and an elderly mum who also depends on us. I mean, which of those should I give up? I'll just phone mum. I'm sorry, mum. I'm a bit stressed at the moment, so I'll see you in a year or so. You can't do it, can you? Sometimes we have to sail into rough times, and they do. The language is evocative. It says that when they're far out to sea, they're literally battered by the waves. The wind is against them. Now, I'm not a sailor. I've literally got seasick before on a canal boat. That was a holiday that didn't go too well. Mum's just like, Ugh. I bike a lot, though. And, um, and I know what it's like when you're biking into the wind. It's tiring. Obviously, physically, you have to work harder. But there's a weirdly emotionally exhausting thing when it feels that relentless. And every little pedal just feels like I'm, I'm putting in so much and I'm just getting nowhere. And, and the story tells us they've been doing this for a long time. And there's this moment where they think we've been doing this for ages and we've still got a long way to go. Who feels like that now in the pandemic? There's so, been so many stages throughout where you're thinking like, yes, maybe this is over. And then, no, it turns out it's not. Oh, and you have to pick yourself up and keep going again. So let me tell you some things about anxiety from this story. Number one, anxiety is not a choice. Those people who say to you, ah, oh, but, you know, if your faith was better, you wouldn't be experiencing this. Don't, they've misunderstood psychology. Anxiety is like a smoke alarm. It's your brain's way of grabbing your attention. When you've moved into this emergency mode, your, your brain triggers anxiety to warn you that important stuff is going on. You might need to do something. And it literally changes the way that you see and understand the world. Did you know when you're anxious, it actually switches down your ability to think and rationalize in complex ways? Everything starts to feel quite simplistic, binary. It's either one thing or another. It's either good or bad, success or failure. People are either for you or against you. And of course, the rough thing is when you're anxious and tired and feeling like the wind is against you and, and the waves are battering you, it feels like all of the negatives. So you are already feeling rough. But now you feel like everything around you is bad. You are failing at everything and everyone is against you. And that ramps up your anxiety further. Think about anxiety on this sort of 0 to 10 scale. That, that emergency mode that we call overwhelm usually kicks in at like 8 or 9. It's, it's something different. It's not like that functional anxiety anymore that focuses your attention and helps you respond to demand and not miss important stuff. It's become panic. Your brain is trying to get you to bail. It's frantic. You feel this suffocating sense of of what's going on. You must do something. But of course, your ability to think clearly is gone, so you can't think of a thing to do. It just feels hopeless. When we feel that anxiety about something that's coming, we call it dread, and it eats away at us. It's horrible. So Jesus comes to the disciples and he walks on them on the water and we know that they're in this space because they don't recognise him. To be fair, it's an unusual approach. Probably not what they were expecting. But he's their friend. You'd think they recognise him, but they are totally freaked out. They think he's a ghost. We can see they're just in this place where they are beyond thinking clearly. And he says to them, don't be afraid. So the really important question here is, is that a reprimand? Are they doing something wrong? 
And this is so important. So let me say to you, number two, anxiety is not a sin. Please, if you just remember one thing from today, your anxiety is neither a flaw, nor a failing, nor a lack of faith, nor a sin. If you are feeling anxiety now, there may be good reasons where that's coming from, but maybe it's got ramped up. Maybe you've got into this space where you need some help to get out of overwhelm. You've been pushed into panic. Maybe that's something that you need some help with, but it's not your fault that you're having that emotional reaction. So number three is do recognize your reaction. That's really important. The word that Jesus uses when he says don't be afraid is a Greek word phobos. It's the one that we get our word phobia from. And, and phobos in Greek mythology is the god of panic. So it's this sort of personification of, of panic and overwhelm. And that's what Jesus is saying to them. This isn't a reprimand, it's a reassurance. Jesus doesn't walk across the water and say, you idiots, why are you freaking out? He walks across the water and says, guys, it's okay. I know this is tough. I know you're exhausted, but you're going to be okay. You don't need to run. He's saying, I understand you're anxious, but you don't need to panic. He's saying, just, be ca- just, just grab a moment here. Because we do need to be aware of how our emotions lead us to react. You know, Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry, but don't sin. So we need to understand the way that our emotions can sometimes grip us so that we respond impulsively or we do things that aren't what God is speaking to us in that moment. And what Jesus says to them next, of course, is take courage. So that's my number four, and it's so important because this is the message Jesus walking out to them saying, guys, you don't need to run. Why not? They're in a tough situation, and they've still got a long way to go. But Jesus is saying, you don't need to fear. Why? Because I am here. You know, there's this great phrase. We don't really use it in England. We, uh, my family and I live for France in a couple of years, and when you're you're going into an exam or a tough day or something, people don't say good luck. They say bon courage, which means be of good courage. And the, import, the difference is so important. You know, when my daughter goes into exams now, I, I don't want to say good luck, like oh, maybe if you're lucky, you'll just like somehow manage to come through this. I want to say, come on, good courage. You're awesome. You can do this. And that's what Jesus says. They have the same phrase in the Greek language. So he says, take courage, but again, really important. He's not saying, come on, you can do this. He's saying, come on, I can do this. He's saying, put your trust in me. Reach to something bigger and better than yourself. And there's this brilliant moment, isn't there? Because Peter, I love Peter, he's so impulsive, just jumps into things and then like thinks, oops, thinks better of it later. But he realises the potential of this. If this is true, I can take courage, not in my ability, but in God. I can do anything. So he says to Jesus, if that's really you, call me and I'll walk out to you. And remember, this is one of the disciples. They were like quaking in the boat thinking they were going to die a minute ago. And Peter gets out of the boat and he does something crazy and something he should never have been able to do. He walks out. But it's like this, I love this beautiful human moment because he's like doing it. He's like, hey, check, like, take a photo for my Insta, guys. He's like, look at this. And then it's like the wind and the waves and the dark 
are all like lashing around him and he has this moment where his attention shifts and his focus moves from his saviour back to the storm. And he's like, what am I doing? I am in such trouble. I can't do this. What was I thinking? Where's the boat? Oh my goodness, I left it. And he starts to sink. And the thing is, you know what? Peter was out of his depth. We all often are. You know, I face things as a parent. I know I'm a psychologist. I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. My son's like, why do people listen to you, mum? You have no idea what you're doing. Like, shh, don't tell them. I have moments where I feel so out of my depth. The pandemic has been absolutely crazy, both in work terms and family terms. You know, I, I totally feel for so many of you who've been to that place. But fear in those moments doesn't mean that you're a failure. It means that you're human. And, and where the pandemic has pushed us so much to our limits, the limits of our humanity, the limits of our capacity, the limits of our creativity, as we have to think of yet another way to get around this latest challenge, the limits of our courage, our capacity, because we're just sick of it. You know, that first lockdown, everybody's like, ooh, let's all clap for carers and start a WhatsApp for our street. Now you're like, mute the WhatsApp, keep your head down. It's just, we're all really tired. That's a human thing. So number five, what do we do in those moments where we know we're out of our depth and we've reached our human limit? It's about finding your focus. Peter does exactly the right thing. He calls straight out to God. He doesn't go with the fear on fear or the guilt on fear. He just cries out to Jesus and Jesus reaches out and takes him straight away. And and what he says to him is, is, is a message about faith. It's like, you can learn to trust me in those moments, Peter. You can learn, if you build your life on me, on my strength, on my resilience, on the one thing that never changes, no matter what life throws at you, you'll find something solid. You'll find resources beyond your own and you'll find a way to cope when you do feel out of your depth. So let me just think quickly, what does that look like in practice? Because, you know, life sometimes is like crossing a river and sometimes it just feels like the water surge and suddenly it's become a flood. Anybody else? And what you need is the stepping stones that get you across the river when it's become a flood. And you particularly need to know where the next one is and have them built into your life, the rhythm and routine of how you live, so that you know the next stable thing you can rely on that will help you when times are tough. Managing fear and anxiety in times when they're inevitably raised is about practicing in calm what needs to be instinct in chaos. So what are the things that you do? Think about three really important anchor points. Peace. How do you practice peace? You know, there's Psalm 30, 34, 14. This is the Passion Translation. says you should make peace your life motto. Practice being at peace. What, what helps you feel peaceful? It's about bringing that stress and anxiety level down. Think about people. You know, we were never designed to do this alone. You need other people, but it's not been easy recently to connect well with the people who support you. Who are your anchor people? Who are you an anchor person to? 
Can you plan those connection points like stepping stones so you know when the next one's going to be? So often the people most important to us are the ones we see the least because we kind of know that we can neglect them and they'll still be there. But maybe they're your anchor people or maybe you're theirs. And then the third, of course, is prayer. How do we connect with God? We connect through prayer and worship. And sometimes that's like taking a deep breath when it feels like you've been holding it for so long. You know, guys, you are not superhuman. If you ever thought that coming to know God, that becoming a person of faith, or those of you who are in positions of leadership, becoming a leader, if you ever thought that would give you this like cloak, you know, it's like going into the phone box and ripping off your normal clothes and you have these superhero costume underneath and you will never experience emotions like fear and anxiety again, you're wrong. You are not superhuman, but you carry something supernatural. So you will experience fear and anxiety, but they need not overwhelm you. You may be called into chaos or out of the zone of what feels like things that are in your depth, but you draw on something bigger and better so that fear doesn't get pushed into panic. It doesn't need to overwhelm you. There's this great little passage, which I'll finish on. I'm going to pray. It's Philippians 4, and it says, this is the Passion Translation. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer. Tell God every detail of your life. Then his wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. Lord God, we just pray for peace in this place right now and the many different places people are watching from. And we just take a pause for your spirit of peace to rest upon us. Thank you, God, for the amazing way you created us, including these emotions that can feel so difficult. But we pray for people who feel pushed into panic right now, who feel the rise of anxiety bubbling up, and we pray you would rest your peace upon them. Inspire us, Lord, make us courageous. Replace that spirit of fear which our culture so often wants to whip up. Replace it with an awareness of your power and love that we can draw upon. Call us into chaos, Lord. Make us people of peace who support those around us, as well as helping us to stay well and flourish ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. Just, just be still for a moment. What an amazing, powerful, helpful message. And just let one thing, wherever you are, just let one thing rise up on the inside. Maybe make a commitment before the Father and say, Lord, I want to walk in this in a new way. And often in these areas, God teaches us step by step. And yeah, there are moments of breakthrough, but there's something about creating habits that brings long-term freedom where you manage these things better. I'd like to just, just pray for you. I wonder wherever you here in the room, online, I wonder if you just stand where you are. 
And I, just as I was praying for you this week, I was, found myself going, you, you know the story where it's post-resurrection, the disciples, Jesus' closest followers, they're, they're, the, the, the word says they're hidden away for fear. The door's locked. And Jesus, resurrected Jesus, to whom there's no barrier. He steps into the room. And what does he speak to them first? He says, peace. And you know, it's that word shalom, the word we get shalom, well-being, wholeness, irene, to every part of your being. And I believe there are some of you, you need to hear Jesus. Your doors are locked. Some of you, I, I sense there's some of you, literally, you've not been out of the house. Some of you for months, Jesus wants to speak his peace into your heart right now. But for every one of us, I want you just to close your eyes just for a moment and imagine the doors of your life are open. If you're ready for that, say, Jesus, I need your peace, your wellness in every part of my being. In fact, just, just lift out your hands with me now as a way of saying, Jesus, invite his peace into your mind. They become a stillness in them, into your heart. Now in the authority of the name of Jesus, I, I speak his peace right now to troubled minds. We say together, anxiety lift off. Strongholds be torn down. In the name of Jesus, I speak peace to physical bodies. Cancerous tumors shrink. Diabetes your power be broken. Insomnia, lift off. Weariness, be replaced by energy, life. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Lord, we pray all these things in your name. Amen just going to, if you want to stay standing, we're going to sing a great song, sang a couple of weeks ago, and the, the core of it is I speak Jesus. I want you to, to declare this as an, uh, like a prayer, an act of faith, declare it over yourself, your family, maybe you know someone, you're like, oh gosh, they, just, they need Jesus, I can't think of any other way of putting it, they need Jesus. Well, as we sing this, let's make it a prophetic declaration of our lives, our family, our city, if you've got faith for it, maybe into the nations as well. So Simon, team, if you'd lead us. <laughs>